Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Let's jump into what we're talking about. We are in a series called Being Rich, and the point of the whole conversation is to discover about how, how we go about being rich at what matters most, okay? And, uh, and so for the, if you missed the last couple weeks, let me encourage you that anytime we start a series, that the, the way we do a series or the reason we do a series is so that we can build upon the, the, the previous week's information. And so make sure that you're listening. If you miss a Sunday morning, listen to the podcast or watch on Periscope. You can, you can do that. Redeem some of your time in your life, whether you're driving to work or just taking care of things around the house. Turn one on and, and, and tune into what God is saying to this church and this body of believers. Uh, but here's a quick review. Uh, if you've missed the last couple weeks, we, we decided that there's good news and bad news about being rich. The, the good news is that we are, yeah, yeah, if you've been here, we decided the good news is we're rich. You know, the studies say that if you make $33,000 a year, you are in the top 1%, the top 1% of wage earners in the world, top 1%. That's good news. You're rich. God has blessed you. He has blessed you more with more than you need. That's the good news. The bad news is we decided is that we are we're rich. That's the bad news. Good news and bad news is we're rich. It's bad news because we have a tendency to begin to depend upon our things, upon our stuff instead of depending on God. We have a tendency to be distracted by our rich people opportunities our activities, and they pull us away from the things that are most important to us, our spiritual and personal priorities. And then because we are rich, we actually have a a heavier burden, a bigger responsibility. The Bible says to whom much has been given, much is required. So there's good news and bad news to being rich, and we are the rich. And so today, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to you about something that may be a bit uncomfortable for some, but I believe that with a right heart, you can get excited and become passionate about becoming a rich giver. That's the focus of today's message. Now, let me ask you a question, and this is for you to all participate in, okay? So don't just sit there staring at me, all right? This is for you to participate. How many of you would like to be below average? Raise your hand. Nobody. Nobody in this room wants to be below average. That's awesome. Nobody ever does, really. But it is very, very likely, and chances are, though, if you're rich, and you are, if you're rich, that you are a very below average giver. Some of you are like, well, that's not very encouraging. Nope, welcome to Simple Church. (laughs) Oh, some of you don't know, I'm kidding. (laughs) I understand it's not very encouraging, but studies show, studies show that the more blessed you are, the less you have a tendency to give. In other words, and we're talking about percentages. We're not talking about dollar amounts. We're talking about a percentage of what you have. The, the more you have, the less of the percentage, that percentage goes down. You have a tendency to give less. Now, obviously, there are many exceptions to this case, but these studies represent what is typical. One study said that the, uh, did a comparison of the bottom 20% of wage earners compared to the top 20% of wage earners, okay? So they compared the top and the bottom 20%. And they found that the bottom 20%, when we're just talking about percentages here, gave 
two times as much as the top 20%. What's staggering and mind-blowing is that here in the U.S., these people that give more than you and I typically do are the people that are below the poverty line. They're making $13,000 or less annually, and they give two times as much as you and I do based on percentages. A percentage of their income is, is given away. They give a higher percent than us. And most of us make way more, and we are below average givers. Now, I don't want you to feel bad. There's a lot of you that are above average in this room. I know quite a few people that are above average shoppers. And I don't mean in the extreme couponing kind of way either. I mean, like, they go out and they spend every last dollar that they earn shopping. They're above average. In fact, what makes them above average is that they spend money that they don't even have on shopping and buying stuff. Right? We are a nation who is excelling at and does really good at. We are above average at spending money, all the money we have, and even money that we don't have. We consume, we spend. But as a church, we believe God has blessed us. And that what he has blessed us with is not all for us. That he gives it to us so that we could do something with it that would be a blessing to other people. So if we believe this, it begs the question, why did God make you rich? Well, the first reason God made you rich, if you're taking notes, is so that you could enjoy it. The Bible tells that to you. He gives you these things so that you can enjoy them. He is a good father. Some would say he's a good, good father. Christian jokes, just to let you know. He's good father. He wants to bless you. I love blessing my kids. I don't know how many of you have kids and you love to bless them with things. You love to give them presents. You love to take them places they enjoy. You love to do activities with them. You love being a blessing to your kid. You love watching them enjoy what you gave them. And you love watching them be generous with what you gave them as well, right? I love watching that. It blesses my heart to see my kid, something I gave my kid that he will willingly and freely share with someone else. God's the same way. He's a good father. He's a good father. He wants you to enjoy it, but he wants you to be aware that what he has given you, how he has blessed you is not all for you, that he intended for you to share it and make a difference in someone else's life. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, 11. It says, you will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Basically what he's saying, imagine this. You realize you're rich. You realize that God made you rich so that you can enjoy it, but you also realize that not all of it's for you. And so what you do is you take your riches, you take your blessings, and you begin to share it with other people. You become a generous giver. And as a result, the people that you have blessed with that, with your generosity, Turn and thank God for you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, you, 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 through us, you're being generous, and it'll well up into thanksgiving to God for you. He's talking about being a blessing to others. This, this past, uh, two weeks ago, I got a, um, a message from a missionary that my wife and I support. His name's Diego. And Diego is, uh, is somebody that was on our El Salvador team for the last two years. He lives there. And he's getting ready to leave El Salvador and go be a mission, uh, missionary to Paraguay. And so my wife and I picked him up and we financially support him. And the amount is not extravagant, but we support him monthly anyway. And he wrote us this message this past week. He said, hello. He said, I'm grateful because you are helping me. Thank you very much for believing in me. Thank you for your prayers and offerings. Every day I feel closer to the country of Paraguay. I know that there are many children waiting to know Jesus Christ. Thank you, family. I love you very much, and I'm also praying for you. 
People are thankful for the investment that you make because you are generous. I'm not bragging. I hope you understand that I'm humbly sharing that with you, but that's my experience. Paul said this when he was talking to Timothy about rich people, and who, who are the rich people? It's us. Yeah, it's us. We are the rich people. He said this about rich people. He said, command those who are rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds, which is what we're going to talk about next week, by the way. We're going to talk about being rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Now, he said, don't suggest, don't encourage, don't build them up and hope that they'll respond to it. He said, no, no, no. He said, command them, tell them to be generous and willing to share. And so what we've been doing over the past couple of weeks, we've been looking at that particular verse and kind of building a statement for our lives. And so the first week, this is what we said. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. And then we, the second week we were here, we talked about the deceitfulness of riches. And so we, we added this to the statement. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. And today I'd like to add this to it, and we'll read it together in just a moment. But it says, because I have more I will give more. Now, this needs to become the statement for our lives, the guiding post for our lives. Let's read it together. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Because I have more, I will give more. That needs to become our life statement. God has blessed us. We are rich. And because we're rich, we are rich, we need to learn how to become generous givers. We need to learn to be above average givers, not below average givers. And we need to excel at that grace of giving. So there's two big thoughts on how rich people ought to be giving. Truly rich people, if you're taking notes, truly rich people give strategically. Strategically. Now if you pay attention to this, this kind of thinking can ultimately change your life. It's so important. Look what Paul says. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a reluctant giver? No. He loves a cheerful giver. Look, let me, let me waka waka break it down for you what this verse is saying. It implies two things. First, it says give. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. This is not an if you give, this is a when. That each of you should be willing to give. That's a, that's a baseline here. That's not a zero, that's a something. Each of you should be willing to give. And then he goes on to say what you've decided in your heart to give. Now what that means is when you've decided something in your heart, it is something you have likely thought about, something you have prayed about. If you're married, it's something you talk to your spouse about. It's something you've sought counsel about. You have decided, you have thought about it, decided, made a plan, and said, this is how I'm going to give. You have a strategy. You have a strategy in place. And here's what happens. When you begin to think about giving to someone and or something that you care about, what happens? Well, you get excited. You get all excited inside. I am the worst gift giver in the world, not because I give bad gifts, but because when I get a gift, I can't wait till your birthday or Christmas to give it. I don't, I don't wait. I, last year, I bought some mugs for, for my leadership, and, and they, were, they were these custom mugs. It was killing me to hold them. I had them for two months before I gave them as gifts to them. Two months. 
That was, that was torture. Typically, my wife, the Christmas present I buy her, it never waits to get to her until Christmas. One year, I bought her one of these, uh, those remote uh, car, those keyless entry things, and, uh, and I bought it for her and had it installed, and I put the little key fob in a box, and I hid it on the Christmas tree because she's, she's nosy. She'll go up underneath that tree and start shaking stuff, you know, if it's got her name on it, right? So, so, I, so I hid it in the Christmas tree. It was just a small box in it, but I couldn't wait. I had made a plan. I'd executed. I decided in my heart this is what I was going to give her. I was ready. I was excited. I was joyful about giving to her, and so a month before Christmas, it was cold outside. And I said, babe, come in here. I want you to open this present. She opened it loved it. My son's the same way as me. I've already received my Christmas present this year from him. He went to a store the other day and found something goofy and silly, and it made him laugh and think of me, so he bought it, and he gave it to me already. It's this, like, statue of Jesus that you push the back, and it dispenses holy water, and I was like, what am I? I'm not even kidding. I was like, what am I going to do with this, you know? He's, he's like, put it in your office. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I get the connection. So maybe I'll put mouthwash in it, you know, put it in my bathroom here or something. I don't, I don't know. But he's so excited. He couldn't wait. He didn't even wrap it. He just brought it into the house, opened up the box, and put batteries in it. Dad, look what I got you, you know? This is what happens when we decide in our heart. This is where that joy comes. God loves a cheerful giver. You've got to make a plan. Most of us, though, we don't, we don't give with a plan. We give spontaneously. We're rich people, and so we give spontaneously. We come to church, and we hear about a disaster, and the church is taking up an offering. We give to that. Or we hear somebody in our grow group. We go, well, they can't pay for their groceries this week, or, or they can't pay rent, and so we're going to chip in, and we're going to give to them. And giving spontaneously is a great way to give. Don't get me wrong. I know people who actually budget. They set aside money every month so that they can spontaneously give. Now, that's a plan to spontaneously give. That's not just making all of your giving spontaneous. Do you understand the difference? And so most of us do that. We, we give spontaneously. And we don't have a plan, though. That, it lacks, this, it lacks the, um, the intentionality. It lacks the preparation and the thought that goes into it. And so the joy that comes from creating a strategy, from thinking about how you're going to give, it's diminished. Yes, there's joy in the giving, but it's diminished. So we have to have a strategy. We need to uh, be people that don't fall in the category of at the end of the year, we look at our, our giving records and find that we unintentionally gave 4%. Let's be intentional. Let's make a strategy for how we will give. If you look in the Bible, there's some people that gave intentionally. They had a plan. The wise men, they came to seek out the new king. And they came with gifts in tow. They had gold, they had incense, and they had myrrh, some spices. They, they brought all these in preparation to give a gift. They didn't get to Bethlehem on the night and that, where they found Jesus and go, oh, shoot, I don't have a gift. i got to go to Walmart and find me a beanie baby. Put it in one of those gift bags, you know what I'm saying? Because you don't have time to wrap it, not in the car, right? They made a plan. They brought it with them, and they came and they gave. And that's what truly rich people do. They have a strategy. They put some thought into it. And so today, what I want to do is, for the rest of our time, is kind of share with you how my wife and I and our family, we give strategically. And I want to kind of show those things to you, not because I want to brag, I, I just want to share them with you because I think it's really important that you understand the value of having a strategy when it comes to giving. And so I'm going to share with you our plan. And let me tell you where we start. This is our very base, where Shanda and I start with our giving. And that's, we start with something called a tithe. A tithe is giving 10% of your income, and we believe that we, we do it before the taxes, and so not on the net, but on the gross, and so we give 10% of our income. 10%, some of you are like, whoa, 
Look, let me just say something to you. If you're not a follower of Christ, this doesn't apply to you. We believe that this only applies to Christians. So, some, so, so just, just know that that's our personal belief. That's our personal conviction. And so we do this tithing. We do it with joy because we believe this, all right? But, but we, we do that and we give this 10% to the church. And why to the church? Because we believe that the church is an organization that has the most opportunity to transform people's lives. It is the most powerful organization in the world. And so we, we give 10% of our income right off the top to the church. Some of you are looking at this thing, you're like, well, tithing doesn't really make any sense to me. But let me tell you, it does make a lot of spiritual sense. Let me kind of explain what tithing is. We go to Malachi 3.10. It says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, in this picture, scholars believe that the storehouse is the picture of the modern day church, okay? And they say, they're saying, hey, bring the tithe, bring 10%, return 10% of your income to the church. And so that's my family's blessing. This is why we have this blessed opportunity to give. And, my, and so my family and I, this is part of our strategy by returning 10% of our income back to the church. Now, some of you may push back on this idea and say, hey, this is an Old Testament idea, and I'm gonna tell you that in my heart of hearts, I believe that in Matthew 23, 23, that Jesus reaffirmed the tithe and said that it is for New Testament, for it is for, for believers today. I'm gonna tell you that I believe that, but I'm also gonna tell you that I believe tithing is just ground-level giving. I'm gonna tell you that the New Testament, Jesus said that, that giving is a much higher amount than 10%. That, that we can see that modeled throughout. And so uh, we, we believe that that's just a personal conviction, and so we do it joyfully. Now, besides tithing being a spiritual act of worship, we believe there's two other reasons to, to tithe. The first thing is, if you're taking notes, is that tithing teaches me to put God first. Because when you tithe, you give to God first. You bring it to him first. Before you pay any of your other bills, tithing says honor God first with the first fruits, the first fruit of all of your increase. So we bring it to God first before we pay any of our bills. And look at what the, the Today's Living Bible says, the translation for Deuteronomy 14.23. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. So tithing teaches me consistently, gives me a constant reminder that every time God blesses me, that I honor him first. And so here's what I do. I say, I will give God my first and my best and trust him to bless the rest. I give God my first and my best, and I trust him to bless the rest. Now, some of you in here right now, you're pale as a ghost, and I can already feel your levels of disagreement. Some of you are like, man, why did I have to come to church today? Others of you are just like, if you're not a Christ follower, you're like, man, I am so glad that I am not a Christ follower. None of this applies to me. Woo! I got you. I, I, I get the pushback. And I also understand that some of you are, are sitting there listening, and, and, and you're listening with the right heart, and you're going, Aaron, do you understand that in order for me to be a tither, that I would have to rearrange my entire life? That I would have to sacrifice some of the things that I'm doing? I would have to make significant changes and reprioritize how I spend my money in order to be a tither? Do you, do you realize that? Is that what you're asking me to do? The answer is yes. Absolutely. Ab absolutely. Uh, that, that is exactly right because... Tithing forces us to do something incredibly spiritual, to reorganize our lives in a tangible way to show God that he is first in our lives. And many of you could easily do this, but you push back on it because you're, you're regularly in other areas of your life a below average giver. Uh, there's a story of a guy, this pastor told this story of a guy in his church. The guy was making $33,000 a year and he decided to become a tither. 
He said, hey, I'm going to do this. And so he gave the tithe of his income that year. And God blessed him. God blessed his business. God blessed his, his income. And the guy wound up making, eventually over a few years, $200,000. And he had another conversation with the pastor. He said, Pastor, I'm finding it a little hard to tithe. He said, it was okay when it was, like, when it was only $3,000, but now it's $20,000. It's a $20,000 check that I'm writing to God every, every year. He said, I just can't wrap my head around that. It doesn't make any sense. And the pastor said to him, would you still want to put God first in your life? He said, yes, Pastor. He said, I love God. I want to I put him first in my life. He said, I, I, just, I just can't. I, can't. I make too much money and just can't. And the pastor said, well, let me pray for you. So he grabbed hands with him and he said, Father, I pray that you would reduce this man's income back down to a level where he could trust you again. <laughs> well, that's a true story. It's not my story, but it is a true story. And I just laughed because, because the guy was like, no, that's, I don't want that. You know, I, I, I want to trust God now. I want to trust him where I'm at. Tithing is a way that I systematically and consistently put God first in my life. The second thing tithing teaches me is it increases my faith in God. It increases my faith in God. See, tithing doesn't make any sense. And it really doesn't make any sense. Those of you that are tithers already know that it doesn't make any sense that you can do more or God can do more with the 90% that you have than you can with the 100% that you keep. Does that make sense? That when we take a step of faith and give to God first, that he blesses the rest of our 90% and supernaturally in some way, shape, or form, we're able to do more with that 90% than we ever could do with the 100% that we kept. Those of you that are tithers in this room or are nodding in agreement, I can see, I'm watching the room. You got some head bobbers. Yep, yep, yep. I know what you're talking about, Pastor. That makes sense. Because God does something supernatural in their lives. I have story after story after story that I can share with you of people who have let me know Aaron, I took the step of faith. I became a tither. And this week, I, I tithed on Sunday and I went to work and I got a raise. Aaron, I tithed on Sunday. It was my first time doing it and I got the job that I've been wanting. Aaron, you wouldn't believe it. This, this happened. Now look, I'm, I'm not here to tell you that giving God money gives you blessings in this way. God is not a cosmic vending machine, Okay. He's just not. You don't get to put in your money, push the buttons, and God gives you whatever it is you want. That is not who God is. I don't want to misrepresent him in any way, but I will tell you that when you take steps of faith towards God, he blesses you. That he blesses you. He proves himself time and time again. Why? Because it takes faith to give to God first. It doesn't take faith to give to God last it doesn't take faith to spend all your money on all your bills and look and say, well, I've got 10% left. I guess I can go ahead and tithe. It takes faith to give it first and trust God for the rest. It takes faith. God knew that. He knew that in this area, this would be one of the greatest challenges to take that step of faith. That's why this is the only place in the entire Bible you will find that God says, test me. Prove me and see if what I'm saying isn't true. In fact, in Malachi 3, this is verse 10. This is after the one we read earlier. It said, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So for my family, we worship God first. We give him our first and our best, and we trust him with the rest. That's what we do. Tithing teaches me to put God first, and it stretches and grows my faith. And that's the first part of how my wife and I strategically give. That's our base level giving. Why? Because rich people give strategically. They make a plan, not just spontaneously. They think about it. They pray about it. As they make a plan, they get excited about it. They're cheerful because of it. They realize that because we are blessed, we can 
bless others and we can be a blessing and give more. So tithing is the first part of our strategy. And then we, beyond that, we choose spaces and places that we care about to give in. We choose spaces and places that we care about to give in. And so here's what we do. And, and, and can I be really honest with you? We weren't able to give like this, like always. This is, we didn't just come to church one day and say yes to Jesus and we were immediately able to do this. This requires time, it requires planning. For some of us, it's gonna require eliminating debt in your life and eliminating some bad habits. It's gonna require tightening your belt in some areas of your life financially to be able to do this. So please understand, you don't have to, when you're at this church, you don't have to be like my wife and I are and how we give. I'm not bragging, I'm just sharing. I'm just letting you know how God has impacted us and sharing what we do, amen? So just, just know that. We've rearranged our lives to a lot of things and said no to a lot of things so that we can say yes to being generous in our giving. And so here's how we give. We start with the tithe and then we do offerings. Offerings are anything above and beyond the tithe. And so basically what we do is we look at our tithe amount and we round up. We round up to whatever the nearest, the nearest number is and we give that as a gift to God above and beyond our tithe. And then throughout the year, we also get a tax return. Many of us get tax returns. And, but we tithe on pre, pre-tax dollars. So that means that that full return is ours. It's already been tithed on. But my wife and I choose to, at that time, go ahead and, and give 10% of that as, away as well. We don't often give it to the church. We give it to other organizations that we love. We just want to be a blessing to. You should see their faces light up when you send that check in to them or hand it to them, and they're just like, what? You, you're, you're doing what? It's so cool. We, I remember, uh, I think it was last year, maybe the year prior to, we gave to an organization that, that gives wheelchairs to people in Jamaica. And they go there and they build them for them. It was so awesome to be a part of that. And we, so we use that offering once a year to do that. In addition to that, on a monthly basis, we sponsor three children through organizations like Compassion International or One Child Matters, which you'll learn more about next Sunday. We sponsor them. We have three kids. I, my wife and I do. So we sponsor three kids on a monthly basis. And our kids get to know them and pray for them and email them and write them letters and things. And, and, and it's, a, it's a blessing to them. It's what we do. We sponsor a missionary personally. We believe that we have a personal responsibility to the spreading of the gospel ourselves. And so we have a missionary that we send money to every month. We personally invest into the Heart Food Pantry every month. It just comes out of our check automatically. It goes right into the Heart Food Pantry. And then above and beyond that, past that, there's areas and ways that I invest in church planners and other organizations where I could be paid for that I, I don't receive payment at all. I'll invest in a church planner, mentor them and guide them and coach them. I'll spend a year of doing that with them and I don't charge them a dime to do that. I love investing in church planners and giving that way. In addition, because pornography is such a large part of my past and what God delivered me from, I'll go and speak on the dangers of pornography and I don't charge anybody a dime for me to come. We love to invest in these spaces and places because they're near and dear to our hearts. And this is the way my wife and I, that we give on a, on a regular, monthly, strategic basis. And we love every bit of it. We're not under any kind of obligation. We're joyful about it. We're cheerful about the opportunity to give to these organizations and to these people because of the impact we realize that we are making. God has blessed us with more than we need. I mean, we actually enjoy it. We're not ashamed of what God has given us. I'm not ashamed of the car that I drive. I'm not ashamed of the house that I have. I'm not ashamed of how God has blessed us. I'm I'm not ashamed because we have a plan in place to give and be a blessing to other people. God has given me wealth to enjoy, but I also realize my responsibility to give to others. So we have a plan in place because God has blessed us with more than we need. 
Now let me say something. If you're here today and so far you're not liking this message, it's probably because you've never given any thought to your strategy. It's probably because you, you, you don't have any, any strategy at all. Because when you have a strategy in place, you realize what Jesus said is true, that it is better to give than it is to receive. It is way better. And so we give according to our values, but you have things that are close to your heart, things that you care about that maybe my wife and I don't value, organizations that you're aware of, people that you're aware of that you want to invest in, and God has put those people in those places in your, on your heart so that you can invest in them and make a difference there. So, so be a blessing there. Paul continues to say in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, he says, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. So if you want to excel in the act of giving, you have to have a plan. And rich people give strategically. The second way that people give, rich people give, is called sacrificially. Sacrificially. Rich people give sacrificially, or we can say extravagantly. When you go to the Bible, I, I love looking at King David. Here's a guy that the Bible says, or that God identifies in the Bible as a man after his own heart. That's somebody we should pay attention to. And so I watched King David, and, and David was going to offer a sacrifice to God, and he winds up in this, this vineyard, and he goes to the owner, and he says, look, I need to make a sacrifice here. And, and the man says, oh, David, we, you know, we, we just love you and your family. You're a great king here. Just, just have the vineyard, and here's a bull, and you can offer that to God. And David said, no way. He said, I would never offer to God that which cost me nothing. And so he bought the, the vineyard, and he bought the bull, and he sacrificed it there. David was later recorded as giving one of the greatest offerings that anybody has ever given to the building of the temple. They say that if it was calculated in today's dollars, dollar amounts, that it would be billions and billions of dollars that David donated to the building of the temple. His son Solomon, when the temple was finally built, he was to do the, the opening of it, and he was to sacrifice one bull. But being David's son, wanted to be extravagant and sacrificial, sacrificed a thousand bulls to God and said, this is what I'm offering to you. When we jump from Old Testament to New Testament, we see that somebody's life who had been so impacted decided to give extravagantly and sacrificially. There was a woman who had a questionable kind of employment, we'll call it. Her income came from questionable means, but she had met Jesus and experienced life change. Her life had been transformed, and she in turn responded with love to him. And so she came and she took this ointment, this perfume that she used, which she used to dab on her neck in between clients. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's kids in here. And she took this perfume and she poured it out on Jesus' feet. Not caring that it would run off of his feet and spill onto the floor. She didn't care. She wanted to give an extravagant gift, a sacrificial gift. They said that the, the perfume had it been sold, would have been worth a year's worth of wages. A year's worth. And she poured it out. She could have used it for, as an investment into her future opportunities to make money in her questionable way. And yet she sacrificed it all at Jesus' feet. Why? Because she realized she was truly rich. She had been forgiven much and she loved much. But let me tell you this. That when you give sacrificially or extravagant, Many of you are thinking big dollar amounts. It doesn't have to be big dollar amounts. Giving sacrificially and extravagantly is relative to your situation. 
It's all about your heart at that point. We talked about this last week. There was a widow that Jesus saw. It's in Luke 21, verse 1 through 3. Take a look at it. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. In other words, the offering. And he was not impressed because likely all these rich people were giving out of their excess. They were giving in a way that didn't hurt them. They were, they were giving in a way that, it, that the percentage was small. And it says that he also saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins, two pennies. She drops in two pennies and he responds and says, truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. Jesus took note, not because of the dollar amount that she put in, but because percentage-wise, she gave 100%. She gave all that she had that day. It wasn't about the amount. It was about the heart. She's so in love with God that she gave extravagantly. I don't know if you know what that looks like or not. I don't know what you, if you know what that feels like or not to give extravagantly or sacrificially to someone. But it just does something to your heart, man. Changes who you are. I'm going to close with this story. A few years back, oh, this is probably 16, 17 years ago at this point. I was a younger man than I am today. Actually, probably half the man I am today <laughs> in age and size. And uh, <laughs> I was in a church service. Now, when I was a kid and you know, I was a younger man, I went to church services where they lasted two to three hours, right? Well, we didn't actually know when they were going to end. Did anybody know what I'm talking about? You went to a church like that? Yeah. You didn't know when they were going to end. And I, this is the kind of church I went to. And, and when they did the offering, they generally took 20 to 30 minutes to take up the offering. It was like this mini message that they would preach before they took the offering to kind of encourage you to have faith and build you up so that you would be encouraged to give. And, and so I, I'm in service one day. And I was a tither and I was a giver. Above and beyond that, I did tithes and offerings. And, and I'm, I'm there in service and, and there was a guest speaker that day. And this woman was talking about giving an offering of $1,000. She said, somebody in here is going to give an offering of $1,000. And I stood there and I said, well, that ain't me. <laughs> no, not because I didn't want to, but because I didn't have $1,000. I didn't make that kind of money. You know, I was, I was still working just an average paid kind of job. I think I might have been making 10 or $12 an hour. And uh, I guess which was a lot for that time. But anyway, I, I wasn't making a whole lot of money. And uh, and I, I just stood there and I, th I started thinking about, remember it's when you think about it and you make a plan about something, you kind of get excited about it. I started thinking, I said, how cool would it be to give $1,000 in an offering? Like how rich would I have to be to be able to see, I can write that check. I can write that check. And see, I, I have been blessed with much throughout my entire life. God has protected me, forgiven me, delivered me, saved me from much. So with a heart of joy, I, I love to give. I love to be generous to other people. I love to give in church and give my offering. And I thought, Lord, how cool would it be to give $1,000? I would love to do that. And I felt God speak to my heart that day, and he said, well, give what you got. Well, I'd forgot my checkbook that day, and, and I didn't have any cash on me, and I was like, give what I got. He said, empty out. So I thought, this is ridiculous. Anybody ever have God speak to you in that way? And you're like, man, is that bad pizza? Is that, that couldn't be God talking to me. That, no. That's kind of ridiculous. Give $20, okay. Empty out, no, that's not God. And so I, I said, all right, Lord. I'm not really sure if this is you or this is me, but here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to leave. I'm going to get in my car, which was a walk. This is a larger church, thousands of people there. I'm going to walk out to my car in this parking lot. I'm going to drive down the road to the Kroger. I'm going to go to the ATM machine in the front there. I'm going to empty out my bank account, which don't get excited. It was less than $250, all right? Don't get excited. And I said, I'm going to empty out my bank account, and I'll come back. If she's still taking the offering, well, then I'll go ahead and give, the, give that money. I'll just take it as that you were speaking to me, okay? I'm thinking there's no way. She's already been taking the offering for 20 minutes. There's no way by the time I get down to the store and back in Canal Winchester that she's going to be, t- she's going to be taking this offering up. I walked in those doors, and guess what? She was still taking up that daggone offering. And I said, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm, I done made a deal with you, so I'm going to do it. So I walked down to the front. Now, we used to take up offerings and buckets kind of like we do here, but there were some times where they made you walk down to the front and put it in the buckets, and then other times they didn't have no buckets at all. They just said, come throw it on the stairs, <laughs> on the altar. This was one of those times. There was people just coming. I mean, it was just covered. It was like, it was like you know, like one of the, one of, you guys remember the cash boxes they used to put people into, and they'd turn them on, and they'd fly all around, money, 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 money. You know, they just catch and all that stuff. That's what, I, that's what it felt like to me. I don't know. Sorry. I guess I just slipped into a memory there. Um, anyway, I walked in and, and I took my cash and I walked down to the altar and I put it on the altar. And, uh, and I was joyful. I was thankful. I was like, wow, this is cool. I'm going on an adventure with Jesus. I have no idea what God's up to right now. No idea. But I, I put my money on the altar and I turned around and I walked back up to my seat. I didn't tell anybody about this, by the way. I was sitting alone. I didn't tell anybody about it. Couldn't tweet anybody. Couldn't text anybody. We didn't have any of that. Right, I had like a pager, I think, at that point. You know, a big pager clipped on the outside of my, wall, my, my pocket. Didn't tell anybody. And I got back to my seat and I lifted my hands and I thanked God for this crazy opportunity. I didn't know what he was going to do. Thank you for speaking to my heart and thank you for the opportunity to give. And a man walked up to me that I had met two weeks prior to. His name was Mike. And I met Mike because his son came to youth ministry. And I greeted his son and I took his son around and introduced him to a bunch of people. I met Mike. I didn't hang out with Mike. Met him once. And Mike comes up to me and he says, did you give? And I open, I, I was doing one of these things, just praying, and, and I, there's Mike right in front of me. Like, whoa, hey, what's going on? He says, did you give? And I said, yeah, I did. He said, the Lord told me to give you so that you could give again. And he pulls out his checkbook and he writes me a check and hands it to me. It's $4,000. And I did a happy man dance inside. I signed my name on the back of that check and I walked it down and I put it on that altar. See, when you, when you go to give, it's not, about, it's not about the dollar amount. It's about the sacrifice. It's about the heart. And that day I wanted to give $1,000 so much that God made a way and gave me a step of obedience to take, a step of faith. And so I did. What's crazy is the story doesn't even end there. I got back to my seat, and I was, I was like, you ever, you're doing one of those ugly cries, you know, like, <laughs> like I just felt somebody would have said, Holy Spirit was all over him, man. Take it, Jesus, Lord. I mean, because that's the kind of church I came from, right? And I'm just, <laughs> I was just overwhelmed by God's grace in this moment. You would have been too. It's freaky, man. Don't tell me that's not freaky. It's freaky. Two weeks later, I'm in service, and that man's wife walks up to me, and she hands me a piece of paper, and she said, this is from the Lord. He says, it's for you this time. And I looked down, and it was another check. And it was a check for $1,000 for me. God just wanted to be a blessing to me that time. Super cool. Here's what I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you to empty out your bank accounts so that God will give you lots of money. 
I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that you give to God so that you can get from God. But I am telling you that God is faithful. That God is a good, good father who loves you so much and wants to be a blessing to you. I'm telling you that in your giving, you need to be strategic. You need to make a plan. And then it needs to be sacrificial and extravagant, whatever that means to you. It needs to be that way as you are able. And in both of those things, you need to be prayerful. Now, let me say, if you're here today and you have a problem with what I'm talking about, you can't believe he's up there talking about money, look, just keep your money. When we pass the buckets here in a little bit, don't, don't give anything. I, I don't want you to give begrudgingly. I don't want you to feel compelled to give. Give somewhere else. Let us be a blessing to you. Let us love you and your family. I have no problem with that. I, I don't want something from you. I want something for you. And if you can't see that, then keep your money. I don't want it. I, 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 don't, I, I don't need it. But I need you to know that we are rich. And that because we are rich, we cannot continue to give at a below average level. Why? Because God has blessed us with more than we need. We are rich. We'll trust in him. In the, in the, in, we will not trust in our riches, but in him who richly provides. Because we have more, we will give more. That's how we get good at being rich at what matters most, guys. And here's what happens when we do. When we get good at these things, the Bible says the rest of the world will be thankful for the generosity that we have demonstrated. That others will be thankful for the gifts God has given you as you have been free to share them. Let's pray. Everybody just bow your heads. Father, I would just, I just pray right now and I would ask that you would help us to be cheerful givers. Lord, to realize that we are truly rich. That everything that you give us isn't for us. Forgive us for consuming it all ourselves. Help us to give strategically. Help us to give extravagantly and sacrificially so that we can make a difference in other people's lives as we seek to honor you first in our finances. Lord, do this work in our hearts and our lives. Now, as we continue to pray, I know that there are those of you that are in this room that you're not currently a Christ follower. You, and, and here we are talking about being a giver and being great at giving. And look, and let me tell you something. Before, before I would ever encourage you to give a dime, the first thing that I would encourage you to give is your life. I, I would encourage you to give your life. See, the Bible says that God loved you so much that he gave. He gave his son, Jesus. He gave his son, Jesus, as a sacrifice. He gave his son, Jesus, in an extravagant way. And he gave him first, that while you and I were yet sinners, he gave him so that we could believe on him and be delivered from the punishment that is due us. Punishment, you're like, what, what punishment? Well, the Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that the wages of our sin, in other words, the payment or the punishment or the penalty for our sins is eternity and separation from God, and that's, that's hell. And God said, no, you, I, don't, I don't want you to have to pay that penalty. I want to send my son Jesus, and he can live a perfect and sinless life. He can pay that penalty by offering himself for you on that cross, and 
that when he dies and rises from the dead, the payment will be paid. And the way for you to partake in that sacrifice is just to ask him to be in charge of your life, to confess your need for him, to place your faith and your hope in him. Learn to live this life the way he's asked you to live it. And so we have this opportunity today. Before we receive an offering at all, you have an opportunity to give your life to him. And if you're here today and you want to partake in the gift that God gave you first, if you want to say yes to Jesus and no to the devil, if you want to say yes to heaven and no to paying for your sins for eternity in hell, if you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. I would, I would love to include you on that prayer. And if you want to be included, here's how you do it. I'm going to pray, and if you want to be included, just shoot your hand up. You can do that now. Nobody's looking. I don't want to embarrass you, but if you say, Aaron, that's me, pray for me. Would you just put your hand in the air now and say, that's me? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray the prayer, and if you're watching by Periscope or here in this room or even listening by a podcast, I believe that God will meet you at your point of need right now. If you'll pray this prayer, you can pray it out loud or you can pray it quietly in your heart. doesn't matter. You just need to mean it. Pray, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came to this earth, that you lived a perfect and sinless life, that you sacrificed yourself and died upon the cross for my sins, and you rose from the dead so that I could be forgiven, made brand new, transformed. Jesus, today I give you my life in exchange for the life you offer. Show me how to live for you and I'll spend every day doing just that. In Jesus' name, amen.